Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Citation, that's fans. And I know I said we'd be back in 2016, but here it is, your not-so-secret Amazing Avenue Audio Festivus Festival. Yes, in, in lieu of a holiday special, I guess you can call this a holiday special, we're going to celebrate Festivus, which seems appropriate given that Jerry Seinfeld is a huge Mets fan and also have a fun way to wrap up the year, at least to the part where Lucas starts complaining about Alejandro de Haza later in the show. <laughs> But before we get to that, I want to introduce our co-hosts for the Amazing Avenue Audio Festivus Spectacular. Joining me are Steve Sippo, Lucas Flahos, and Brian Salvatore. Gentlemen, we start the proceedings as is prescripted by the Festivus Wikipedia page that I looked up in, for researching this podcast. <laughs> we unveiled a Festivus poll so chosen because of its good strength to weight ratio. So, which Met, current Met, do you think has the best strength-to-weight ratio? Anyone can jump in. <laughs> Certainly not uh, Puerto Colon. 
I once shook David Wright's hand and was flabbergasted at the size of his arm. So I'm going to say David Wright. That's not a bad. I mean, he's not a big dude by baseball player standards, and he's hit 30 home runs before. At his peak, he was a plus power guy. So I could see that, yeah. I was going to go with Conforto because he's not – like he's chunky, but he's not yeah, huge. He's just, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was also thinking Conforto. I mean, he looks unassuming. He looks like nothing particularly special in terms of uh... – body strength but some of his home runs last season were more impressive i'm going with delson herrera oh damn it forget who who instagrammed out that picture i think it might have actually been i knew it was a diamondback i think it might have actually been ender and ciarte a photo of him juan lagaris and delson herrera working at the barwis camp and herrera's got some guns you want to do that has power and not is very short i think he's listed at five nine he's not five nine So I'm going to go with uh, Tilson Herrera, the best strength-to-weight ratio on the Mets. We don't decorate the Festivus pole, of course, because Frank Costanza does not like tinsel. So which Met do you think is the least fond of tinsel and other holiday decorations? Lucas Duda. <laughs> that was my answer, too. Uh, you know, I one of my original ideas for like a year-end spectacular is just going to cut together all the opening questions from this year and people answering Lucas Duda to them. <laughs> <laughs> sort of the basis for not allowing anyone to answer Lu- Lucas Duda anymore. But he's totally like the surly, just leave me alone. I don't give a shit about anything. I picture California. him walking into the clubhouse and there's a Christmas tree and he just goes, come on. <laughs> he's like the dude that like the, like the family getting together around the Christmas tree to like decorate. He's just on there like on his Game Boy. I guess he would have been like... <laughs> See, he's twenty. He's in his late twenties, so he's probably a. Uh, yeah, this would have been Game like Boy the early, Game Boy Color, probably Game Boy Color, yeah. pre Game Boy Advance, but Game Boy Color. Just wants nothing to do with it whatsoever. I don't know. Um, I think he's like the most like self serious Matt is for that kind of stuff. Maybe Harvey. I don't know. I could see Harvey like having a couple glasses of eggnog and really like getting a little overly into the Christmas spirit. <laughs> he, he he totally owns several ironic Christmas sweaters. Yes, definitely. Mm. Um, I could see Daniel Murphy making a big stink about the commercialization of Christmas, but he's no longer a Met, so that doesn't apply. kind of hard because i feel like every or most of the current mets are all kind of generally happily portray a happy world view most of the time so it's hard to perceive one of them as being surly and grumpy outside of duda who definitely is i don't know if he actually is but we'll go with lucas duda because you know whatever it's festivus why not so it's time for dinner gentlemen the festivus dinner so produce your hip flasks if necessary. I've already drank an entire Manhattan when we were trying to get Steve's internet to work. <laughs> it was a big Manhattan, too, larger than I usually make, because I wanted to make it through the entire podcast. We are less than five minutes in. <laughs> but in the spirit of uh, coming together for a, for a holiday dinner, if you could host a dinner party 
and invite any, like a dinner for four kind of scenario. So any three Mets, past or present, associated with the franchise in, in any way that you want to judge. Who would you invite to your dinner party? We'll start, I'll actually try to organize this one a little better. We'll start with Brian. Okay, so at a dinner party, you know, oftentimes you're the host, you're cooking, you're getting things going. You need somebody who's going to talk a lot, who's going to be the social butterfly of the dinner party. So I invited Curtis Granderson because he seems like a nice enough guy to talk to anybody at dinner. Um, you know, he would he would be a good surrogate host while I'm cooking. He'll compliment your food no matter how bad it is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and on that same thought process... I'm inviting Bartolo Colon because he'll eat my food no matter how bad it is. <laughs> so I don't have to be a gourmand for this to work. I can just put out whatever and Bartolo will be happy with it. And then uh, I think for my last spot, just because he seems like a really chill, nice guy, I'd invite Jerry Blevins. He probably makes any dinner party a little bit better. He's some of the guy that would come with good anecdotes. Yeah, and he'd probably he's and I feel like Granderson definitely brings a nice bottle of wine with him or something. And I think Blevin come Blevins comes with you know a nice side dish or appetizer. Seems like a thoughtful guy. So yeah, that that would be my dinner party. Lucas, uh, I also had the same idea with Cologne, where no matter what I cook, he'll eat it. So even if people don't like stuff, they just kind of shove it his way and it'll go away. Um, I want to bring David Wright because he generally seems like one of the nicest athletes in any sport anywhere. So uh, I'd be probably make good conversation with him all night. Um, and then for my third one, since Cologne and uh, Wright are probably some of the more subdued Mets, I thought it'd be cool to bring Fabilio along just because he's the more energetic, Gonna run around and uh, make everything a fun time and make everyone else laugh during uh, during the dinner party. Steve Sipper. Um, I mean, you're gonna get more of the same here. I went with Grandison because he's gonna have some good dinner conversation and banter, and it's always appreciated at a dinner party. Brought Bartolo because you're gonna want something to eat all those leftovers. We definitely should have discussed this in the Slack prior to uh, <laughs> prior to recording. And my third guy is going to bring is Harvey because if I fuck up dinner and burn everything, Harvey's going to know all the hot places to go, <laughs> and he will definitely have uh, you know no no weights, and he'll probably have have your babes too. So nice. Harvey seems like kind of would bring a date, even though you've only made enough food for four people. <laughs> like I didn't give you a plus one, man. Which supermodel is he dating at this point? I wonder. I don't know. I, the funny thing is, you saw the uh, the Players Tribune piece or whatever, like his little like question and answer thing from oh yeah this the, week. The Belieber comment or whatever. Right. Well, the one that yeah. jumped out at me is he like it's like what app is like over for you now? And he picked like Tinder and then said like shh, like wrote in shh after it. I'm like, how has somebody not like screen capped Harvey's Tinder profile and posted it on the internet at some point yet? Hmm. Or like Perhaps. somebody, somebody posting like Harvey's like pick, Tinder pickup lines, <laughs> which I'm sure are essentially you on know, Matt Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I know. I don't know. There's a certain kind of like Connecticut jockey bro that I'm fairly familiar with. And I could see him totally being that dude on Tinder and just being horribly awkward. And then just ending it with, you on Matt Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> when it, 
Uh, am I the only are... one that... Oh, go ahead, Steve. When you are Marvy, Harvey, that's all you need to say. It's true. I don't know, like, why are you on Tinder, dude? <laughs> I mean, am I, I the I, only... I... Go ahead, yeah. Am I the only one that finds him awkward? Like, every well, time... There's like, it's like, there's, like, sports media awkward... Like, I think if I had to, like, stand in front of, like, gaggle of reporters, and that was, like, my main way of interacting, or the way people sort of judged my ability to interact socially, I think that would probably, you know. And then you just stick me in a towel or whatever and flip-flops while doing it. I and mean, my... to be fair, he's just there to talk about Qualcomm, and you yeah, guys keep yeah. making it awkward, so. <laughs> true, true, true. Taking it way back with, like, the 2013 memes. <laughs> you know me. May May is yes. May May is. Which is the 2015 meme. At least slightly more topical. I don't know. I, I, I could see Harvey being like a, a chillax bro in like a one-on-one situation or a smaller group setting. I think he just doesn't want to be bothered with the media. He seems like the guy that at a dinner party is always on his phone. Yeah, that's right. Just always Probably checking on his phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just I swiping left all night. Sort of more generally with like baseball dudes. I'm sure it's probably actually like useful if you're the kind of guy that wants a uh, wants a girl in every port kind of scenario. I'm sure Tinder is useful for that. When he was I'm surprised through, like, he his, needs it. It's just it's it's, it's convenience. more convenience. Yeah, it's like you yeah. Wanna, if you don't want to have to like just go out to a bar after a game, it sort of cuts out the uh, the whole process. It just streamlines everything for you. So I considered Keith. I'm a little surprised no one picked Keith. He was my if if we could choose four, he was my fourth. See, I think the problem with Keith though is he's like he'd be a little too like snarky about your cooking and your wine choices because <laughs> yeah, he fancies himself a bit of a gourmand. <laughs> so I ended up. Oh, you chose a Merlot. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, jeez. <laughs> you just get like the exasperated sigh after like the. Uh, <laughs> Dessert course comes out. <laughs> Just like, man. are we? Are we? I got, a, I got a long drive back to uh, back to Sag Harbor. <laughs> I might just get talking, going. Like, are we talking like normal Keith sigh or nineteen inning game in no, St. I think Louis just like normal Keith sigh. Yeah. The I mean, best kind of Keith sigh side. is the uh, the spring training Keith sigh because you know that there's been so little <laughs> to build up to it, and it's he's still so frustrated. That could be it's entertaining great. in and of itself, mind you. But I went yes. with uh, Ari Dickey. I think he'd be an interesting dinner guest. Fuck. Yeah. Yes, that's a good call. Uh, Siyoshi Shinjo, just because, you know. Come on. I said what? I, I thought said... we had to do current myths. No, I said past or present. Yeah. Uh... That was also a total, totally predictable pick. Yeah, sure. And uh, <laughs> uh, Howie Rose. I think it knocks out Howie. You got to do the sushi platter, which covers I think Howie and Shinjo. So, from uh, what is it? What is his uh, his sushi place that he always talks about on the uh, radio broadcast? <laughs> Just get a big sushi spread for like the uh, for the first course. Good to go. And Shinjo's just like a remarkably interesting dude. Yeah. Although I don't know how much English he actually speaks, I don't think it would matter. He'd just show up in some ridiculous like. <laughs> outfit with like 
models from he's like that are living in his house at Bali where he has a dirt bike track or whatever he's doing now. Yeah. He definitely <laughs> brings a plus two without being invited with it. Yeah, yeah. Bring, you know, a, a chick on both arms. I wonder what color his hair is at this point. I don't know. He just he needs to be more in the in the baseball consciousness nationally than I think he is. He needs to get back in the game somehow. Without him, like sort of in my cultural milieu, I feel very uh, empty in some ways. <laughs> so, in the spirit, we'll, st- we'll stick with a the food theme. We're not quite done with dinner yet. Since the Mets aren't going to add any actual good players for next year, it seems like. We'll get to the airing of grievances in a minute. What foods would you like to see added to City Field next season? More Shake Shack. Just make everything a Shake Shake Shack. Shack. Yes, everything. everything. I gotta be honest, I'm a little burnt out on Shake Shack. Impossible. I know, I know, but it's just I'm a little burnt out on Shake Shack. See, I, I went to college in Pittsburgh, so I got used to going to PNC Park, and they have great wings at PNC Park. And I don't think there's many good wings at City Field. So, there's not many good wings in New York. Yeah, what they, they could get the dude from. Uh, it's probably not practical price wise, but the dude from uh, Moo Ramen in Long Island City just like the foie gras stuffed wings. <laughs> that sounds incredibly delicious. Yeah, I, I'd settle for some, you know. Just some regular chicken wings, but sometimes like some good dinos- wings. dinosaur barbecue or something in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, are wings a good baseball food though? I get like really messy eating wings. When I was living in Pittsburgh, there was a Quaker Steak and Lube, um, <laughs> like shack at PNC Park, and they would sell you a big bucket of wings. And uh, friends and I would always like split a bucket of wings. It seemed pretty, seemed pretty good. If you're keeping score, it's a yeah. Pain, guys, but... I was gonna say, if you're keeping score, you're just getting like barbecue sauce all over you. I can just see like Chris McShane making a mess of his scorebook, <laughs> <laughs> getting really upset with himself, still eating the wings. If they're good enough wings, you don't care. It's true. Any other suggestions? The uh, the AT and T garlic fries are heavenly. So if we can yes, import those somehow, that box treats have like a garlic thing. I feel like I've had them at some point, and they were okay. okay. I have not tried them. I think, I mean, like, a better, uh, like, gourmet ice cream is, like, the thing in in New York City. Not really a thing anymore, but it was a thing at one point. Maybe get some better ice cream choices. I think it's, like, the seventh, eighth inning. Maybe you've had... The problem is you had a couple beers. You don't want to throw, like, an ice cream cone down on top of it, but... Maybe some sorbet. Sorbet. Gelato. A little gelato. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Gelato is always a good choice. I think what the hot food trends in the city are right now. They could capitalize on. I suppose there isn't like a uh, Thai sandwich. You take a bon mi. You do bon yeah. mi. It's Vietnamese, but. Like a big old torta or something like that from the uh, margarita place. Just start doing or like a cernita or something like that. I like the addition of two boots. I like the pressed was a good choice. 
I actually discovered this um apparently well my dad discovered it in some food and wine magazine but there's like a meatball sub place very like off to the side of blue smoke and shake shack and i don't yeah, remember it's, the it's, name. An, it's it's pat lafrida again i think yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's pat like it's, steak sandwich is a delight it is it's awesome Again, it's, pricey, it's, like, it's, it's, it's pricey. It's not ent- entirely that easy to eat at a baseball game. I wish like the hot dog selections were a little better. I'm just not a big Nathan's guy. That's a good call. And what would I don't you prefer? Want, I don't know. I think what's like Nathan's is so iconic. It's kind of hard to yeah in New York go in a different direction. But it's there's also just a, a hot dog. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a spot by my house that has hot dog sliders. That has like. Uh, like gourmet toppings on the hot dogs—that would be a nice. I go for nice just like option. some good, some good conies too would be nice. Some really high quality chili or something like that. Yeah, I guess it's messy, but at least it's like a you know like a hot dog and a, like and the Chicago dog from Shake Shack is excellent or the Chicago dog whatever. I know I made fun of Chicago dogs on the podcast recently, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm actually a pretty big fan. Um, but if you're standing in the Shake Shack line, you're not getting a fucking Chicago dog. <laughs> no. Right. Which is the problem there. They need like a like a separate line just for like Chicago dogs and like shakes or something. I'm not standing in line for the burger. The bigger have question nice, is. Have, have a nice alcoholic shake. That would be actually a good shake. idea. Yeah. Adding an alcohol. I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously you're talking to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, have a, we have like a gourmet burger place near where we used to live that did a did like a bourbon and vanilla and caramel yep. shake that was excellent that sounds really good it's sounds incredible good. I, i've had something similar and based on the 2016 mets current projections i'm gonna need all the help i can get going to games there so <laughs> boozy shakes just drop some what baileys in the shake shack a shake and it'll be fine yeah, work. Take, take the, what is it the the fair trade coffee shake just drop a shot of baileys or amaretto in that or both yeah. both you might need both. Which brings us conveniently to the airing of grievances, which is probably indistinguishable from every other podcast we've had this year. <laughs> Just rename the podcast. The airing, airing of grievances, grievances, yeah. This may be the longest segment of the season. I don't know. <clears throat> Lucas, I'm going to let you start since you, you've been online since 7 o'clock agitating to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to get in here so go ahead we'll just keep going around now this can apply to stuff the Mets have done or are doing Mets fans Mets Twitter New York City media other podcast hosts <laughs> whatever floats through we'll just keep going around until we run out of things to uh, grieve about so Lucas go ahead uh, I'm not going to rag too much onto Ozla because there's not much to say there like I think you tweeted it and said it very eloquently, like, he's a nice bench piece on a contending team. He's not a primary center fielder on a contending team, and he's probably going to be... He's not a center fielder, full stop. (laughs) Right. And whatever value he gives you with his slightly above-average output against righties, he probably negates with his defense. But that's just part of the larger problem where the Mets could have put themselves in a position to be the best team in baseball this offseason, and did have embarrassed themselves for lack of a better like this the moves they made were nice they were good complimentary moves walker cabrera daza even is a fine complimentary bartolo cologne excuse me how could i forget bartolo cologne and even blevins like solid solid moves this team has a 
billion dollar rotation that's being paid ten million dollars a year, you buy a superstar or two to put around that. Like they could have been better than the Cubs, and now Steer projections are bad. There's error bars on it, but when the gap is fourteen wins, it probably means something, and that gap could have been zero or even favorite the Mets. That's all the Wilpons felt, basically. Who's up next for the airing of grievances? I, I can piggyback on that. I feel like it's one thing for the Wilpons to lie in casual, in vague terminology, but they specifically said, if fans come out, we will spend more money. They and are, as of right out. now, spending more money. Oh, come well, on. Well, you said vague. It's literally true. It's technically correct, which is all we all know the best kind of correct. <laughs> but, you know, they fans came out to City Field that they never had in the history of the ballpark before, and they're spending marginally more. And that's a bummer. I don't disagree yeah. with you. I'm just being a dick. I know. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm sure everyone with any familiarity with the podcast also knows. Steve Sippa. I don't know. I mean, everything just gets traced back to the Wilpons being shitty owners. That seems fair. So I, I can deal yeah, I mean, with... Just... I, can, I can deal with cheapness. Like, I kind of saw this coming after, like, the day after Game 5. They're like, yeah, we're not really in on Cespedes so much. We think we're going to spend more money. And kind of sending out clear signals to the media that they weren't going to spend that much more money. So I was I was mentally prepared for that. I, I've sat through bad Mets teams in my lifetime. I've podcasted through bad Mets teams in my lifetime. I've watched plenty of shitty Mets games. What I cannot abide is Keith Hernandez is still not under contract for next season. (laughs) You can skimp anywhere else you want. I need GKR to get through any Mets season, good, bad, or indifferent. See, they spent more money on guys like Deaza and can't afford Keith's fur coat bonus anymore. So, <laughs> the mink lined gloves for those April night games. We have any more grievances? I have I, a really I, petty one. Oh, sure, go ahead. Go this ahead, is the pettier the better. Lucas, go for it. Uh, can I rag on Tyler Clippard again? Sure, because go for it. See people saying, hey, it's not a bad idea to bring back Tyler Clippard. Uh, he had. The 25th worst FIP, the second worst Sierra, and the worst ex-FIP in baseball. His K minus ba- uh, baseball percentage was the 105th worst in, uh, or 105th in the top. And you quibble with the predictive ERA metrics all you want, and he has exceeded his FIP by almost a run over his career, uh, and his ex-FIP by 1.2 runs. But his ex-FIP is 5.3. And his FIP is 4.3. And they want to sign him as our big bullpen edition. Please, for the love of God, no. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> All right. So, so mine is, is super petty. Um, so I, I have a young child. And this year we joined the Mets Kids Club. And part of that got us <laughs> 10 free tickets to Mets games. 10 vouchers oh. for 30 bucks, which is Damn. pretty sweet. This year, same price, only four free vouchers. Boo. Boo. Still pretty good. One of my, uh, I think one of my uh, 2015 favorite tweets was uh, Ryan Kelly. There was a whole, there was a Mets Kids Club kerfluffle in the spring, I think, along similar lines. 
yeah, vaguely. The dude that like wrote to every single team or whatever, and yeah, a bunch of them. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. ones that didn't send him stuff, and he, I'll actually find it because why not? I have tweet deck open as I usually do while I'm podcasting, so I should be able to find this. But I mean, it, it was great just from a totally selfish standpoint. I went to three games essentially for free, turned my daughter into a hardcore Mets fan, and you know, it was nice. Now I'll only have to go to one game, and that's a goddamn travesty. Hang on, I'm scrolling. I favored a lot of things this year. (laughs) There it is. This is from at Ryan Kelly. Can't believe the Mets refused to send a two-year-old some stickers. Jeff Wilpon is usually so good dealing with new parents. <laughs> Only if they're single mothers, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. he's not so good. Yes, you don't have to explain the joke, Lucas. Everyone got it. Sorry. I'm a little cranky that I'm not going to be able to uh, follow the Mets as closely next year as I probably was this year. It's very disappointing to me. I have to do like national prospect things now, so. I can't have like really strong opinions on Victor Cruzado like I do this year. The struggle it's is always time to have strong opinions <laughs> on Victor Cruzado. I will still have strong opinions on Dom Smith. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I don't think any of the podcast listeners really were. Doubt you'll miss a single Bartolo Colon start and possibly relief appearance later in the year. It is appointment television. <laughs> Not as much as is at bat, so. Yeah, so that that actually leads me into one more grievance, I think. Like, I get that... So there's... Maybe among more sabermetrically inclined fans, or... And I touched on this a little bit when we started talking about him signing with the team, or re-signing with the team. That, like, yeah, okay, he's not... a great starting pitcher anymore. In all likelihood. I mean, maybe you think he's just been unlucky the last two seasons, and his FIP more accurately represents... Uh, is more predictive going forward than his ERA or raw run average. I should be a company man to look up his Sierra, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but I just... I don't... Just the aesthetics of watching him pitch is better than Logan Verrett. And I like Logan Verrett, apparently. I've been called one of his biggest boosters. Uh, not so much on Sean Gilmartin. And maybe Rafael Montero's shoulder is better. He pitched one inning... For the uh, for Escojito this week, struck out two and gave up a homer. I don't care about that so much as where his fastball velocity is sitting. I'll probably see if I can find a, a Lise or Toro Celeste game where he's pitching and check that out. Even after I just said I'm going to follow the Mets system probably less closely in 2016 than I did this year, but it's just I don't I don't like I get it I get that it's become a bit of a zero-sum game. Like, you want to get the best players possible. But there is something to be said for just the Bartolo Colon experience in general. They've got four other really good starting pitchers. And I can sit here and make, like, a strong case that there's added benefits. You get 180 guaranteed innings from Colon, probably. That was what I was about to say. And this this is a rotation, specifically, that you want to pay for innings over upside. Yeah. I mean, with center field, yeah, you want to maybe pay a little extra for Spong. He's a better player if he's healthy, though there's some risk there. 
than Diaza. That's maybe maybe where you want to pay for upside. But in the rotation, you've got four really good pitchers, but some of them are going to be on innings counts. Yeah, and some of them are going to be on innings counts. Like, you just need a guy to take the ball every fifth day and give you six innings so you don't burn out your bullpen. And if you need to skip a start down the stretch, he can pop in. Mm-hmm. You can expand to six. You can do different things with him that you maybe you're not comfortable doing with a less experienced pitcher. With an arm, you have an eye towards the future with. You can just ride Bartolo Colon. So stop fucking... It's Bartolo... It's, there's nothing bad about this. He's better than John Neese. He's very possibly better than John Neese, Ray Seriger now. Are we going to close the book on 2015 grievances? Do we have any more? And it's hard to complain fucking too much. The team, the team went to the fucking World Series this year, so it's hard to complain yeah. too much. They're still a good team. They're going to be a good team in 2016. It's going to be fun. They are rolling out and up the middle defense of uh, Ezra Bell Cabrera, Neil Walker, and Alejandro Deaza. They're also rolling out a starting rotation that, and this is going to sound way too high, but it's going to has the potential it's a billion to be dollar the, rotation I've been told. It has the best potential to be one of the best rotations ever. So <laughs> I'm trying to be optimistic it's to make optimistic. up for my bitching earlier. It's okay, it's time to move on to the feats of strength. So your favorite Met feat of strength from the last year. For me, I think it was the Cespedes' three home run game against Colorado. I mean, hitting one home run, hitting two home runs, great. But I mean, three home runs, that's were always they all very like, special. Like, bombs to dead center, too. Our, at least the first two were. Just yeah. like bombs yeah. to dead center. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, if you're going to play Deaza in center field, it's almost like Yoannis Cespedes might be a better center fielder than him. Hmm. 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 Just something to uh, ruminate on, maybe, this holiday season. Similarly, I was going to go with Kirk's three home run game because I feel like Kirk's a guy you don't expect that much from. So when he pulls out a feat of strength, it is especially noticeable. Along that same vein, for you don't expect it and it's going to be noticeable. I want. I had to go with Bartolo Colon's double pass Gisco <laughs> in center field. <laughs> Where he literally walked to second base and could have probably <laughs> he easily could have had a triple. Base. He could have had a triple. Yeah. Just like nah, I'm I'm fine. I'm gonna stop here. That's enough for me. He hit the ball hard too. He did. He he yeah. like he like he like took the first pitch like the bat on his shoulder, just to lull the pitcher into a false sense of security. Like all right, I'm swinging now. I will say that if Cologne ever hits a home run at City Field, oh my god, like the place will literally come unglued. And I'm using literally, literally there. <laughs> people will just shake like, like Shea used to. Yeah, people will just like mob the field. It was like a pitch invasion. They have to like Mets will have to forfeit the game. People just be like rending their clothes off in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> the utter chaos, like Book of Revelations shit, <laughs> in the stadium when that happens. I'm saying when, not if. Uh, my favorite feat of strength from the past year is Jair's Familia 96-mile-an-hour splitter. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's a good one. And how he does it, no clue. Don't know if his elbow is going to hold up to doing it more times, but it's very fucking impressive. So we'll close 2015 with a wish for a Festivus miracle. 
So this can be the most miraculous event for from last season, or it could be a miracle you want to see in the future. What do we have? Uh, mine was one from last season, but I hope the same for 2016. And that's the starting pitching health that the Mets saw in 2015. That is going to be very important. I mean, if they get 115 starts from their top four, that would be uh, very helpful. At least 115 wins. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas, what's your Festivus miracle? Um, I'm going to have to go with that game where they came back from six runs down against the Nationals. Um, especially since I've got a very bad habit of bitching as the Mets blow things because I got used to them doing it. And I have the AOL instant messenger logs of me bitching for that whole game and then suddenly coming around as Thespitus blasted that double into the corner and then losing my mind as Kirk put that, uh, the go ahead home run in the seats. Wait a second. Are you a time traveler <laughs> using instant messenger? Yes. Yeah, weren't we just discussing this the other day? Yeah, I think we were. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm the only 20-year-old I know that uses AIM. But that's not the point. That game was quite possibly my favorite Met game I've ever watched. Steve Sippa. Uh, well, the fact that the Mets made the World Series last year is a miracle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really kind of is. <laughs> Excellent point. I am going with a a, a mere. I, if we do this again next year, which we probably will, because I'm not one for original ideas, I'm pretty sure the 2016 Festivus miracle is going to be Bartolo Colon winning the Silver Slugger and getting that 50 grand <laughs> <laughs> as outlined in his contract. The most and, glorious miracle of all. I, I, it sounds just like a boilerplate thing. It's like obviously very amusing, but I just I see this Bartolo being like, "No, put it in there. I'm going to get it." Just decide. Like, I'm going to really work on my hitting this off season. I'm going to go to Estadio Bartolo Colon and just set up the pitching machine. <laughs> <laughs> He's just sitting there. He flies out Kevin Long to the Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> Retool my swing. Yeah. Tweak some things. If Ruben Quintana can hit a home run, then Bartolo Colon can hit a home run. That seems reasonable. I mean, we got that mass component of kinetic energy and momentum. So, I mean, he's got that going for him. Are we moving the walls in again this year? <laughs> <laughs> Only when Cologne's that bad. I feel like somebody suggested at some point just like like walls on some sort of uh, track that just moves them when the Mets bat and moves them back out when uh, the other yeah. team's up. They can rename the Pepsi porch the Cologne Corner. Yes. Some sort of like mutant league baseball shit. We do have some emails, so let's fucking clear out the inbox for 2015. Oh, God. Emails. We do have emails. The fun part of the podcast is over. (laughs) Before we do emails, we do housekeeping. It's the Mason Avenue Audio's Festivus Festival. I haven't really given it a number. I don't think I'm going to give it a number. It's a secret podcast. It's a secret podcast. I'll probably just post it on the site. I'm not... I I never follow through with anything I say, so... Ah. Amazing Avenue Audio is the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. 
Find us on the internet at amazingavenue.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at amazingavenue. Or join our Facebook group and or join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash amazingavenue where you find great Facebook comments like, the guys that host this podcast are boring. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a fair and insightful commentary, to be sure. Especially by Facebook comment standards. You find the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Amazing Avenue Audio, and you can listen or subscribe right there. I encourage you to do both. I also encourage you to rate and review the podcast. You find the podcast on the Stitcher app. Download directly from blogtalkradio.com slash Avenue, or listen to the embedded player that goes up in the podcast post at Amazing Avenue proper. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. My co-hosts this week are Brian Salvatore, who you can follow on Twitter at Brian Meadzenap. Lucas Vlahos, who's what are you? What, I don't remember what you are. El Vlahos three four three. Is that right? Yep. All right. And Steve Stippa, who is conveniently for my purposes after drinking gi- gigantic Manhattan at Steve Stippa. <laughs> that was the housekeeping. These are your emails. You can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. Our first email is from Johnny Caps. Hey Jeffrey and Greg. Greg bowed out at the last second. Boo. For shame. Happy off season to you. Some thoughts on yo. Add Cespedes to this team, and our ceiling is so much higher. He's the hitter pitcher's fear, and I genuinely feel he makes all around him in the lineup better. If he can play a cromulent center field for the next two years before moving to a corner, there is no weak spot in our very long lineup. I think as previously stated, he might right now be a better center fielder than Alejandro Diaz, who lost his job playing for a second division White Sox team in center field. I feel like there is something we are not hearing about the Mets and maybe other teams as well. Feelings about Cespedes. I think it's more than just the money. Any of the personality things I have heard seem rather vague. I'm not sure why more specifics haven't come out. Anything you've heard you can talk about? I just hope his um, enhanced performance isn't doing to be, due to being infertile like Manny was. <laughs> Sent via my continuum transfunctioner. What? It actually says that twice. I don't usually read those when they happen, but I'm going to do a little shout-out to the, the podcast, and they always do that. That's an odd choice, too. It just sort of ends that way. Twice. I mean, the Boston media killed him on the way out the door, but that applies to every single player that has played in Boston in the last decade. So, Outside of that, like, you know, Detroit's talking about a reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything bad. There. He just doesn't like talking to the media, which, again, is not a moral failing. Not no. something you have to enjoy to be a good, useful baseball player and good in the clubhouse. You never hear anything, like, objectively bad about him. Now, is he is he going to be as good for the Mets over the next two years as he was from August 1st on last year? Probably <laughs> not. Um, but this, look, this lineup looks a lot different. If it's Cespedes in center, Conforto in left, Granderson in right... Ligaris as your fourth outfielder slash you know guy that plays against lefties, caddies for Cespedes slash Conforto in the late innings, and then Diaz as your fifth outfielder who can, you know, if somebody gets hurt, he can start in a corner in a pinch and be okay. That's a good use of him. It's somewhere between five and a half and seven million dollars to do that, but if you're a good baseball team, that's not unreasonable to pay for bench depth. He was always the guy, I think, that was going to have to wait for sort of the market to settle. Like, who misses on Hayward? 
you know, who likes him more or less than Upton? He's a very good fit for the White Sox, I think, since they seem to be yeah, tilting towards maybe being competitive in a shitty AL Central. And it's a big upgrade over, like, Aficel Garcia, or whoever they're going to play in a corner. I don't think they even have two corner outfielders right now. Right. So he makes sense there. I mean, the other teams could theoretically be interested. Um, I think he's going to get less now than I thought maybe November 1st. But not significantly less. And so the stuff I see on Twitter is like, okay, we can sign for the the amount of money they spend. And we're not going to talk about new money because the Kadir retirement and the the niece for Walker swap kind of queers that a little bit. They've spent roughly, let's see, 10 million in ARB for Walker, 4 million for Blevins. Let's just go with the base salary for Daza for accounting purposes. I guess that's a 20. Another eight and a half or 8.25 i think it is or whatever for cabrera i guess it's 28 so 35 million in new money not in new money but 35 million in contracts so far in the 2015 offseason so the idea is let's even say nice for walker is a wash i'll call it 25 million in new money they can spend that money on suspicious for 2015 and not add any new payroll for 2015 over what they've already spent. If you want to sort of, you know, play a little shell game with the numbers. The problem isn't this year, because this year all that money's gone outside of Cabrera. It comes down to getting approval to actually offer long-term money to any player. And this ties back into what was sort of going on behind the scenes with the Zobris stuff, where it wasn't clear what they actually were going to offer him. Because I don't think the Mets knew what they were going to offer him. Because they were in a situation where whatever, they probably could match four for 60 for Zobris, but they'd have to get it approved. I'm not talking about approved by the Wilpons. So that's where the problem... You want to offer... You know, let's say Suspedis signs. Like I thought he was going to sign for around six one fifty, maybe a little more. Let's say it's five one ten. The problem isn't the twenty two million this year; it's the twenty two million their creditors want in two thousand nineteen. Yeah. But that said, Suspedis is batting third and playing center field instead of Diaz batting eighth and playing center field. That's a very different lineup. And look, it might go bad at the end of it. Every long-term contract does for the most part. The ones that don't are the exceptions to the rule. And the guys that sign when they're a lot younger than Cespedes. You know, it's like Carlos Beltran. Jason Hayward. Potentially Jason Hayward. Cespedes' skill set may not age particularly well. But I just don't give a shit about 2018 right now. Nor should a team that was just in the World Series. Thank you. Mm. As far as, like, performance enhancing, the only thing that enhances his performance is big old roasted pig on a spit. <laughs> <laughs> also the cavalcade of shitty teams the Mets played, but... 
that didn't hurt either now they're gonna play a lot of them next year too though lucas <laughs> no no that, no not no. possibly even more it division. might actually be more <laughs> i think the braves are even worse this time around it's very possible our next email is from carrie hey y'all I was just, he's from new orleans <laughs> it's okay <laughs> he's in brooklyn but if, if i recall correctly he's from new orleans i occasionally remember where our emailers are actually from i may conflate scotland and england Ireland, all of the British Isles at some <laughs> points in various points in time. I was just playing with the 2016 steamer projections on Fangraphs, and I noticed that Jair Similia and Zach Wheeler are both projected to pitch 65 innings next season. So between the two, who do you think pitches more innings in 2016? Best carry in Brooklyn. It's a good question. I will say this: this is a, this is a good question. I have a strange feeling, health permitting, Familia's going to throw a lot more than 65 innings next year given the current state of the Mets bullpen. Yep. And Terry Collins. Yeah, you got you to gotta regress <laughs> these things naturally. But uh, over the last two seasons, or each of the last two seasons, he has thrown significantly more than 65 innings. 77 and 78 to be specific. While throwing 96 mile an hour splitters. At least at the end of last year. So I guess this is like as good a time as any to discuss this in, in abstract terms. What is your plan for Zach Wheeler next year? Are we presuming the normal time frame? Yeah, we'll presume a, a, a fairly normal Tommy John recovery. So he comes back, what, all-star break? thereabouts yes so that would put him about between 15 and 16 months out from tommy john surgery which is not quite the full uh you know 18 19 that harvey was but i think not the like year out that parnell was that turned into a disaster doesn't this depend considerably on where the mets are in the standings at that point sure well i mean Yes and no. I would say if they're winning, if they're if they're if they're bad, you'll just ramp him up normally. So he'll take the ball every fifth day. At that point, maybe he'll keep his innings down. But if there's nothing, you you want him to get normal sort of arm strength building things. Yeah. I think if they're good, and he's healthy, he's probably an upgrade over Bartolo Colon. So you still want him taking the ball every fifth day. Now down the stretch, maybe going into the playoffs, maybe he's not your game three or four starter, and you want to use him as a high-leverage reliever there Mm -hmm. for a pen that looks a little shaky. Sure, I could see that. I don't think we might slightly overrate how much the Mets' success or failure next year plays into that. But again, if they're bad, they can always shut him down early too. That was what I was thinking. But I think there'll be at least, look, I mean, I, I can be shitty about it. I'm not a fan of the offseason. I think they'll be competitive just because the NLA is so fucking bad. Barring some sort of Nationals renaissance. I think you outlined a pretty solid plan there, even just, with just the hypothetical. Like, so even if he's talking a you know, maybe they'll go to a six-man at first. I could see them doing that for the first like month or so. And that allows you to keep Mats and Syndergaard's innings down a little bit too. Which I think is something they'll at least monitor. 
I think DeGrom and Harvey, the the kid gloves will be off next year. They should be. They should be. I and mean, they should have been this year, but whatever. Um, for what is a, a fairly conservative industry and a conservative team in that in regards to those kind of things. Um, I can at least see the argument for doing it in 2015, but in 2016, there's no case for DeGrom and Harvey not throwing 200 innings in season. But he makes 12 starts, 15 starts, 5 to 6 innings each. I think he probably gets more than Familia. In all likelihood. I just think based on typical pitcher recovery, he'll come back later than expected, and therefore he'll make less. He'll he'll throw less innings. I think also if they're in good shape, there's an argument for doing that, for sort of ramping up his rehab. Like, I'd really like to... In a perfect world, I'd like to keep him out for 18 months. You know, maybe that would, that, would, that would put him into September. Maybe you bring him back in August. And then maybe move him to the pen for a potential playoff thing. I don't want to rush him back. No. Well, let's say the Mets are in some miracle world. They're running away with the division. You let him take an extra month. You ramp him up. But then in the playoffs, you can... I don't know, piggyback him and Matt's and turn two good starters into a an awesome playoff fourth starter. And you also have the, the platoon split there too, so it, if somebody right. wants to start a tough righty against Exactly. A, you know, a lefty masher against Matt's, you can bring in Wheeler in a big spot in the fourth or the fifth and negate that to a certain extent. Right, and we can quibble all we want about the whole uh, bullpen game picking backing not being effective thing but that seems like a strategy that could work if the nationals are as disappointing as they were last year here's a more interesting question to me uh marcel projection for jerry's family next year 72 innings 2.88 era slightly under a k per inning uh about let's see so 70 strikeouts 23 walks and 72 innings 2.88 era are you taking the over or the under there over being better or mm. is he gonna be better or worse than that <laughs> <laughs> i'll take the over as in he'll be better than that he's been better the last two seasons yeah and i think even building in a certain amount of, of balls and play regression he might be his closer stuff to is like also it. different right he might I, he might be closer to his 2014 than 2015 though he didn't he wasn't particularly uh he might have even been slightly unlucky on fly balls last year, though he did some some weird stuff. I think anyway, you slice it to be a very good reliever. I'm going to say slightly under. Really, you think he'll be worse than that? Just slightly. I just feel like that with regression and with the uh, yeah, I'll say, I'll say slightly worse. See, relievers are weird because it's like you build in a certain amount of batting average on balls and play regression to all these things. Mm-hmm. And I just think your elite relievers have low BABIPs. That's just what they. That's why they're elite relievers, essentially. Right. But he was so fucking good at the end of the season. He was. He was just very good. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> you can make an argument. I'm not going to make this argument on the podcast that he has three 80 grade pitches. <laughs> like, legitimately, yeah. you can yeah. make that argument. There's nobody that has that. I think the splitter, you could definitely say, is 80 because it's freaking unhittable. I mean, at worst, you're talking like 877. At worst. I mean, the command profile is not great, but it's 877 who gives a shit. 
for a reliever. Right. And Steamer has him as a 3.12 ERA last, next year. Because they really don't buy into it. And it's, it's not like it's a crazy low BABIP. His BABIP 2014 was 264. This year it was 272. His ex BABIP's really low, too. Yeah. It's, it's on the low end of reasonable a reasonable range for a major league quality pitcher. I mean, it's not like... I think it was a crazy outlier was last year. I think it's like Dylan Batances has something ridiculous. Dylan Batances is ridiculous in general. Yeah, I mean, Batances last two years, 241 and 257. Which is very low. You expect something, I mean, generally you expect something between 280 and 320. You want to look at Babbitt as a range. But you expect elite pitchers to overperform that because they have elite stuff. Especially right. in guys in short bursts like Batances and uh, Batances. I've mentioned this on the show before. I think we had a familiar related question. Batances, 90 innings and 84 innings the last two seasons <laughs> as a reliever. And a very, very good one. But if I just do a quick little pitching leader search, which I will do. Uh, relievers I want 2014 to 2015 which is kind of arbitrary because it's the two seasons that Familia has been good but for this purpose I don't really care about that so qualified between 2014 and 2015 the guys with the lowest batting average on balls in play why do you always sort highest first? Highest, by the way, Jim Johnson, probably to the surprise of no one. <laughs> Tyler Clippard's going to be towards the lowest. He's fourth. He is not the highest Met on the list, though. Right? He did not have the lowest Babbitt of any Met over the last two seasons, or pitcher that pitched for the Mets. Huh. There is one ahead of him at number three. The top two are uh, Joaquin Benoit and K-Rod. But again, elite-level relievers. Way and you said it. that... Number three is... Number three has pitch for the Mets. Has Mets history, okay. Yes. Like Clippard, but has a lower BABIP than Clippard. Alex Torres? No. Josh Edgen? No. Huh. Henry Mejia? No. Mejia's actually been unlucky on balls in play, if I recall correctly. Hansel Robles? Hansel Robles, 227. Wow. Someone give a cigar to Lucas. Hmm. Dude also has a 1.33 home runs for nine in the majors. So as much as you complain about Tyler Clippard <laughs> and his extreme fly ball rate. Well, my problem with Clippard is more he doesn't strike anybody out. So Robles strikes or Robles strikes out more and walks fewer. That is correct. Uh, you know, Familia doesn't even make like the top. <laughs> but Tance is a 248. He's 18th. Elite relievers. <laughs> have good performance on balls in play. We're talking about guys like uh, you know, AJ Ramos, Pedro Strop, JJ Hansel Hoover, Robles. Hansel Robles, elite relievers, Darren O'Day, you know, Ryan Madsen's in there, Brad Ziegler, you know, these are the top twenty. Familia doesn't Familia doesn't even make the first page on fan graphs for relievers for the last two years. A lot of it's just you get pop ups or you get weak round balls or yeah. you're 
Clayton Kershaw and you get both because how do we even get who's going to pitch more innings next year if we (laughs) should answer the email (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet I think it's Wheeler I heard like Wheel Milia from the group so (laughs) I I said Familia Brian said Familia we're losing Steve again again oh god damn (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna keep going it's okay our last email is from Sean hey Jeff and other it's your guy on Long Island Sean with another sandwich update I guess I gotta represent the BP brand and talk about sandwiches now are hot dogs a sandwich? Are hot dogs a sandwich is something of I do not care about. Are. I do not care about this question at no point in time. Even on a semiotic level have I cared about this question. <laughs> the Seaport Deli, home of the Stephen Matt sandwich, also knows how to Jacob de Gram, which is chicken cutlet, roast beef, melted monster, onion rings, lettuce, tomato, and a ranch chipotle dressing and a toasted garlic hero. Once again, if you find yourself in Setauket, New Jersey, New York, whatever. Make a stop for this, for this oh. Mets-loving institution. I know, you're from Long Island, so you're annoyed and back on the podcast now. <laughs> um, I think it's... Uh, we'll talk about the sandwich briefly before we get to the rest of the email. It's a little too busy for me. Agreed. I don't know if it needs the roast beef. I was just going to so, say the same thing. Roast beef or chicken cutlet. Pick one. Yeah. I think the, the onion rings go better with the roast beef or the cutlet. Uh, roast, like beef. roast beef. Yeah, we yeah. just cut the cutlet. Roast beef and Munster is a good combination too. That's a great combination. Yeah. yeah. And the garlic hero does does uh, complicate things a little bit though. He like chicken cutlet and a garlic hero is a really good combination. But Munster and garlic is a good combination too. Hmm. Garlic makes everything better. But you can still yeah. have the Munster with the cutlet. I appreciate the effort here. It's just not quite coming together for me. Anyhow, I've been thinking about the Mets lineup situation. <laughs> I want to know your thoughts as it relates to the original NES ice hockey game. I was a Blades of Steel guy, so I don't know how much help I'm going to be here. So was I. Yeah. We'll just pretend no that idea. it's... Oh, oh, yeah. So you know the one where you get to pick your starting lineup and make them skinny, fat, skinny and fast, medium, or strong and plump. I'm wondering because it seems with the moves we've made... The only real spot to upgrade is in center. This came in before the Daza thing. But we, for the purposes of this conversation, we just pretend like Daza is our fifth outfielder. The thing is, we don't have a classic leadoff guy, per se. Do you think there is value in expanding our skill set by getting a speedy on-base guy versus a power bat type who doesn't play the outfield as well? We got a, a speedy on-base guy who doesn't play the outfield as well. So <laughs> I think that answered your question. Well, value is derived from all types of skill sets. Do you think there's an advantage in spreading out that value in a few different skill sets, i.e. is war just war? Or does lineup composition and varied skill sets help? I always thought making a team of all mediums made the most logical sense. But I gradually evolved to a fat, skinny combo dude with just one medium playing center. A lot of our guys seem like mediums, Grandy, Conforto, three-quarters of our outfield, etc. We've got Boppers and Duda and Travis, but where's the speed guy? Does it matter? Having a balanced team would seem to put you at less competitive disadvantage based on matchups against any given team, but does it really matter? If we got the healthy 2014 version of Denard Span and got to dro- drop Grandy down the order, isn't that just about the same as signing Suspedis, at least in terms of projected value? Thanks for the pod. Looking forward to another year of Greek death metal. <laughs> so, 
Saber Magic or the Dice says lineup construction does not matter. But I think there is some sort of like there is some value in let's say signing Denard Span, putting his on base ability at the top of the order, and then having Granderson bat second with the on base power combo behind him. Now maybe you pop the occasional two run homer instead of solo shot. I can see a case for that. I think generally just get good players. Yeah. Get players that are better than Alejandro Deaza <laughs> for your starting lineup. I think there has been some pushback on the idea that lineup construction doesn't matter as much. And even in the book, there is a section on well, with the players you have, how best to construct your lineup. Sure. I mean, the problem is a lot of that, the, sort of the long-term 162 game projections, a lot of them, the, the difference comes from like lineups where you're batting like your worst hitter third. And nobody right. does that. Right. I think there is value in clustering. Yes. If you have like if it's like a stars and scrubs type thing, you have five really good players and four really not so great offensive players, you put the five best hitters one through five and just try to score as many runs in those innings as possible. So there's something to that. But for the Mets, and specifically the two thousand sixteen Mets, I think even with a more aggressive offseason than what you've seen, there wasn't gonna be that kind of lineup. It was still gonna be a fairly you know Nine guys with a weighted runs created plus of like 110 to 130 kind of thing. Or 100 to 130 more realistically. So then, yeah, there might be value going lefty-righty for sort of like leverage things late in games at that point. I guess as currently constructed, how would you roll out the Mets 2016 lineup? Uh, let's go. I think you'd leave Granderson in the leadoff spot. Are we presuming this is with, uh, again, against a lefty or a righty? Do you have release from, I, I, I think the Azza Ligaris bats eighth in either configuration. Okay. So I don't think it, if it matters to you, you can specify no. within the, Let's just say against righties. Are they going to move guys up and down? I mean, I guess maybe Darno bats above Duda and Conforto against lefties. That was my primary concession, yeah. Let's just say it's against righties and make it easy, because that's going to be 70-ish percent of the games anyway. Y'all crunching numbers? I'm making my lineup here. <laughs> yeah, I'm typing it out so I don't miss it. I think I go. Wait, nope, I lied. Yes, I'll do this too. <laughs> Scintillating way to end the year on the podcast. Exactly, yeah. People uh... typing things. Okay, we're saying against righties. Dump all Okay, I'm ready. All right, go ahead. Your first all right. I do uh, Granderson, Walker, uh, Conforto, Duda, Wright, Darno, Cabrera, Deaza, the pitcher spot. I had uh, Granderson, Conforto to Wright. Duda, Darno, Walker, Cabrera, Daza. 
I have the exact same thing as Lucas. I fucking love Conforto. Conforto should bat second. Yep. Because he gives you that same... If the idea of moving Granderson down is you want the power OBP spike in the second spot, I think Conforto gets you there as well. I'm I'm willing to move Darno up to third if Wright doesn't uh, flop them if it doesn't work at first, but... See, I figure, you know, top of your order gets the most played appearances for facing a righty. Let's put a lot of lefties at the top of the order. Yeah, that's fine, too. I, I, there's an argument for that. I just like Walker's empty power against righties. And not empty power. That's not fair. He does take walks, too. But <clears throat> I like him a little bit further down in the lineup. I think we lost Steve again, or is he still there? No, I'm still here. All right, what's your lineup against righties? <laughs> I don't know. All right, that's fine. Grandy, Wright, Conforto, Duda, Darno, Walker, and I don't know what the rest of the lineup is. <laughs> Cabrera and Deaza, probably. They don't. They don't really matter, though. I have no idea what they're going to get out of Cabrera, but that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Those are your emails. Once again, you can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. We will not be answering any of them until 2016, however, because that is a wrap. Finally, on 2015. Hope you enjoyed our Festivus Festival of Fun. And we'll see you next year on Amazing Avenue Audio. Merry Christmas to all. Yes. Happy Festivus, etc. Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever the politically correct holiday greeting is. At this I didn't point. make the joke. Shit, I was going to make the joke about uh, us celebrating Festivus, further contributing to the podcast's contributions to the decline of the West, and I didn't make it. <laughs> feel bad now. Which is as political as I got on the show, I'm pretty sure. Poor Bob Costas. It's Bill Crystal, not Bob Costas. Ah! Well, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did, wasn't he the one?